the antidote. 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 You're listening to the antidote with Dave Hawkins. With Christian music that doesn't suck. Thanks for getting into The Antidote. If you tuned in last week, you know what to expect. This is round two of our two-part feature on a really extraordinary album and an extraordinary musician, Montreal's Alex Henry Foster. Now, I don't think there's any artist who wants to have his music altered, so Alex may want to shoot me for what I've done on tonight's show. We opened with just a portion of the 14-minute song, Snowflakes in July, and you'll be hearing more of that between sections of tonight's interview. On tonight's first segment, Alex speaks about his relationship with his father and the incredible song, The Son of Hannah. You also shared more about your father in a new song that was added to Mm. Standing Under Bright Lights, The Son of Hannah. Because on one verse you speak the words, He didn't cry, a man of faith, therefore he lived awaiting to die. He loved Jesus Christ, but religion he despised. He lived in bright daylight, had a compassion for those kneeling in bleakness. He never was much of a dreamer, but a lighthouse for so many others. I mean, that is such a great tribute to your dad. Mm -hmm. But even with that, you found out he was a lighthouse. He was like mentoring others. But did you really feel that you were lacking in that because he didn't provide you like with direct guidance to being both an adult and a performer? Mm. I think that would be dishonest for me to say that he lacked in that way. I think that he tried uh, more than I was able to, to realize or accept because when his life got completely transformed from an alcoholic looking for all sorts of answers but his life was completely uh, in disarray. But I was able to see a real transformation. But for me, as a teenager, it was very difficult for me to accept that everything that, that I felt or went through, that suddenly, you know, it was like he had like a, a bypass of consequences, which I felt like me as, <laughs> as a person. I was like, wait a minute, you know, what about me? But... I grew understanding that the relationship that we had was on a different level because I think that what it gave me was the ability to, to be free. We had a very difficult life in many different ways. I think that what it gave me was the fact that I needed to go and discover those answers for myself, just like he did. Mm-hmm. And, but I wasn't understanding 
because even for him, you know, it was difficult for him to suddenly become a father and to have interest in another human life when everything he went through was only about himself. And suddenly was discovering all those things at the, at the very same time, having like his eyes open and then, whoa, that, that must have been very uh, incredible for him. And for me, looking back at it, I'm at peace with it. I understand that, yes, I would have loved to have like a bit more, I won't say attention, but a bit more conversations, a bit more intimacy with him. As much as now, everything I'm going through, I would give so much to be able just to share a little bit of everything with him, which I can. I think that's something that I needed to let go, that it wasn't about, it wasn't for a lack of trying, it wasn't for a lack of love. I think that he didn't know what to do at some point. It was, he was overwhelmed and I, I was very independent. I wasn't someone that wanted to be touched. I established quite a vivid distance between each other. So that's why that would be very dishonest for me to say, well, yeah, I would have loved to. Yes, but, you know, I think... I wasn't a good son, so to speak. Really? I was, for, I was looking for him to be that kind of father, but I, I don't think I was willing to pay the price to act according to what he was trying to do because that was my way for him to pay back. Because suddenly, in my perspective, he wanted to play father when he never paid much attention to me in the past. But me, I was like, I wasn't ready to let go because I was very sensitive person and I didn't want to have my heart broken maybe, but also it was part of, of wanting him to suffer. And, and that's something also that I, that I discover and that I realized that as much as I wanted him to be someone, I wasn't ready to be someone else for that communion to happen. I wasn't ready to pay that price. Uh, that's something that's still there that I need to, you know, to let go and to, to accept because everything I thought he didn't want to give, everything I thought he didn't want to, to share with me, it would have been impossible anyway. So that's why it's, it's, it's still a process. It's part of, you know, becoming an adult. <laughs> yeah. When, when you see, especially for, I guess, for a son who's, who's seeing like his father, you know, just pass like that, I was very, I was devastated and I just didn't know how to deal with it but I think that yeah that would be so dishonest for me to, to say well you never paid too much attention or it wasn't there for me I think that he didn't have any kind of chance to be, to be honest even though oh, wow. I, even though I was craving for that but I wasn't I wasn't ready to to forgive him yeah and that's that's something that that's still it's still heavy on me but I'm, I'm happy that we, we've been able to reconcile that deep at the end because we had a moment together. I was the type of kid that was going to church with him just to moke him, you know, just to, to laugh at everybody and just for him to be ashamed. That was my way to, to respond to his new kindness by finding new ways to be mean and for him to pay.
But I do remember one moment that I've been very, very touched. And I think that it, it became something very pivotal in my life as a person. And that changed the rest of my existence. It's when I've been very deeply touched about what love and compassion is. And my father was a big guy, like 6'3", big shaped guy. I'm 5'6", mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes I'm lying by saying five seven, but I'm 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 actually five six. <laughs> <laughs> I know the issues you have. I'm also five six. And um he had like huge hands. And I remember that I, I took his hand and I look at him and I said, I forgive you for what you did in the past, but I ask you for forgiveness for the son I never wanted to be. And and that has wow. been like a foundation for us. You know, we, we haven't built much upon that, but that moment is something that, that it's very precious to me because it would have been difficult for me to keep on going if it wasn't for that moment, especially with him. And that, that allowed us to, to have like that last conversation when he was able to challenge me with love and to give me something that I needed. So that's why with Hannah, with the song of Hannah, that 
that was something that I, that I wanted to pay tribute to him. But at the same time, I wanted to reflect on those who are craving that are asking and weeping. And at the same time, and weeping to those who have sons of their own who aren't really righteous, if, if, I, if, I, if I can say that. Mm-hmm. So that's the, the constant struggle, the constant battle with honesty and to be able to look into yourself and to realize, to go deeper in the usual. So that's, that's what that song is about, and especially with Anna, which means grace. I thought that there was so much little glimpses of, of who he was. And also without trying to idolize him or trying to sugarcoat the story. So I've been a son of Eli for so long. So all those little things, and then suddenly you realize that there's more to life. This is not what defines you, that you can go and change and evolve if you're ready to take ownership of what you've been or what you are and, and want to grow into something else, to someone else. So that's really what that song is about. And the reason why it opens the concert, and, and it's the only song that ain't on uh, Windows in the Sky, it's because I wasn't there that, at the time, emotionally. I wasn't able to see that when I first recorded Windows in the Sky, but a year passed, keeping reflecting on that. I felt like that song needed to, because I was looking for something to put people in context. So then it wasn't only about me. It was really a journey. It was really an invitation. I think like three or four days before the concert that I had through a conversation with the bass player of the band, that we were talking about that particular story that I said, yeah, this is it. And I really had that kind of flash or instinctive verse. Um, and I just, okay, well, and then we went back and, and we wrote that song, that, which we played three days after. And it, that was it. I knew it. So that's why it's easy to, to share a good story, but I don't think that story would mean anything if it wasn't something that's true. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So, so that's why for me to be able to, to share about that. And when I'm, when I'm telling you, I'm still processing everything, especially with my perspective, because when I was with your favorite enemies, faith always been like the foundation of my life, always. But it doesn't mean that you've got that foundation that you're not lost, you're not confused, you're not feeling depression, you're, you don't feel like you're completely out of it. Because it doesn't depend on Oh, okay, was it your lifestyle? Because we, we don't accept as believers sometimes that it's not about what's outside, it's about what's inside. Exactly. And it, it wasn't about the lifestyle, it wasn't about what I was doing right or wrong, not at all. It was everything that needed to be addressed and cleaned up and healed that I needed to be free from. When you're stuck in that environment, it's very difficult because you kind of feel like you need to be not perfect, but you need to represent something. You know, it's just like going to say, well, I really feel depressed. And, and, and you, you, can, you can hear someone else like, how oh, could it be? I mean, you know, it's just like, it's life. It's Jesus. You know, and just like, oh, yeah, <laughs> true. But well, um, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. I was just kidding. So, but when you, you keep on going like that, all the time, all the time. And, and, and you just lose that perspective of life, of joy. And, and also just to be, well, you know what? I don't feel it anymore. Because I'm very intellectual and because I was hiding in that, you know, oh, I'm intellectual. 
you don't have to look into your, your, your feelings. Then you say, well, you know, fate is not about feelings. It's about, you know, what's true for you and whatever. But the reality was I'm someone who was very emotional. And even though I want to deny it, it's something that needs to be um, taken care of. Because then when you're cutting that, and, and that's when you, you kind of feel cold and colder and colder until you just like realize, well, okay, this, this is what it is. And, and you keep on going. So that's why for sure for me that whole new journey of life it's not about music it's not about the words it's not about the tone it's really about life i know it, it maybe sounds strange but this is really what it was and still is and that's why even before i wasn't doing interviews at all i, I didn't want to do interviews i didn't feel like i was fit for that but now it's not that i feel like i have to it's because I know that I can add a little something else. I'm saying that like with a humble heart. Before I was just adding to the noise. I was just saying what, whatever pleases, you know, what, what, whatever fits. You know, I would have said, oh yeah, with my, yeah, it's true with my dad. And now I just want to add a little bit to the story. So then maybe it can help someone who's just like me, who was just like I was before, was completely stuck inside paralyzed mm -hmm. and we learn to fake in such a way that everybody around would be like, wow, I want to be like Alex. No, trust me. You didn't want to be like Alex before. It was a miserable place to be, you know, and you can be all hallelujah as, as much as you want. But when you're honest with yourself, you realize that, okay, it's part of who you are, but it doesn't define who you are. You know, you might be damaged, but you're never too broken to be fixed. If you want, mm -hmm. that's why now it's a different, it's a, it's, it's a very different approach. This is just who I am. Hey, this is Alex Henry Foster and you just discovered the antidote. Covering their eyes before the man newly turned into a ghost. If you and sore memories. Sound seems so distant, but emotions so vivid, so real, so real, always. Well, I'd like to hear about something else. You've been speaking about your Christian faith. Now, does that collide or does it connect to your music? I think it's part of it. And that's, that's something that, that I hear so much because there's so many of us out there. <laughs> At least for me, I have a lot of respect for people that are called to serve the church, called to be part of that uh, culture. And for me, just to, to be able to, to speak about my faith, never been something that I was hiding. I just never had the opportunity to, to be on Christian outlets. Sure. But I always kept talking about it because it, it's part of who I am. So then my creativity and the art project is the extension of who I am. I'm not giving life to products. So then for me, that doesn't have anything to do with it. When I'm crafting songs, even when I was with your favorite enemies, 
that perspective is at the center of everything. Always, because even if I don't want to, it's part of who I am. So it's clear that all the colors are there, but in a different way, in a different perspective. And, and that's why I'm never really questioning that approach. Because the, the moment I'll question that approach, then I will have to, to question my motives. Because a lot of people told me, oh, in the past, you should do like more Christian-like or christian oriented music. You guys are going to be rock stars. I mean, well... <laughs> you were rock stars. <laughs> nobody, nobody needs me whatsoever, you know? And, and, and there's so many wonderful bands and wonderful artists that are true to, the, to their hearts and, and, and are only like delivering who they are in that perspective. For me, it's just something else. And that's why, by being honest with myself, I think that I'm able to allow whatever I'm creating to be honest. At least I know that at that very moment, it was. You keep evolving, you have like a different impression, a different sensation, you have a different angle. And then you're, especially for the kind of music I'm doing, evolve all the time. Always like part of that spirit. It, it's funny for me to try to explain something that, for me, it's just like, doesn't make sense, you know? Just like, well, I'm a carpenter, but hey, wait, 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 that table's Christian, right? <laughs> <laughs> for me, it just doesn't make sense. But I do understand the sense of the question. But for me, it doesn't really matter what, whatever you want to call that, what I'm doing. You know, it's when I can share with you, and when it's honest enough, we can commune. And that's why I'm welcoming people. I'm not inviting them, I'm welcoming them. Because I realized for so many years, I thought I was welcoming people as they are, but no, because I was inviting them, inviting them in my things. Now I, I welcome people to commune with me and to have a moment that we will define together rather than just invite people to say, look, I'm going to tell you what it is. No, I don't have to tell anyone. Let's discover what's there together. So, and if it's the extension of what I'm doing, it's part of my faith then we'll discover that and we'll discover th something else through other people's perspectives. And then we can go way deeper than my own limited perspective or whatever agenda I might have if I have one. That's why there's a lot of freedom in that mindset because I don't have to be right. I have to be honest. And, and the rest of it will come because I'm not the one who's going to go out and convince people. I mean, that's not who I am. So that's why there's a beauty in there and, and we can share and grow together. So that's the way I'm approaching things. Maybe it's not something that can sell <laughs> in different spheres, but this is really what it is. And maybe we'll talk together in a year and I will have like a, a bit of a different perspective about it. But now it's really where I am. I don't have to suffer to be the product of somebody else's opinion like I was before. And that's the, the most powerful thing to be able to embrace. And then you can come in for real with people rather than just pretend and to, to keep on spinning the same things you, you keep on hearing and hearing and hearing to the point where, you, yeah, you believe it, but, you know, it won't change your life. So that's a big difference for me. Not mean something. Be time 
The final portion of Snowflakes in July from Standing Under Bright Lights by Alex Henry Foster. This is an incredible live album, certainly one of the best that I've ever heard, and I think it's likely to end up on everybody's must-listen-to list. The Antidote will be breaking tradition next week because my guest isn't a musician, but he's played a huge role in the music scene. He's been the founder of two unique record labels, He's discovered bands who've become enormously popular. He played a major role at Tooth & Nail Records. And for 2021, he's organized the greatest music festival of the year. Come hear the Antidote's conversation with Chad Johnson. Well, I think I've saved the best for last from Alex Henry Foster, both in our conversation and the monumental song, The Hunter by the Seaside Window. Keep well, and I'll see you again next week. Speaking about communing together, you can certainly do that at length mm-hmm. with standing under bright lights. I mean, this is where you make my job so difficult because you have the least radio-friendly songs. I mean, they are so long. The Hunter by the Seaside Window, over 21 minutes long. Yeah, that's, that's a single <laughs> so, version. <laughs> but now you have to tell me then, are shorter songs too confining? It depends, because I, I can turn a song that it's like four minutes. And that's, at the end, at the end of Your Favorite Enemies, which was more radio-friendly, maybe oriented, or maybe more in the format of what we are used to in terms of like songs nowadays. But even then, when I was on stage, those songs would become something more monumental or... I can play like a show like an hour and a half and play three songs. I don't care. It's really based on what I feel. And when I'm writing, for me, it's very important not to set myself in a mood where I say, oh, you know, I need, that's the type, that type of music I'm doing now. So then it needs to be like that. I've never been in that position. And I think the next record will be very interesting in that sense, because especially now that those two records exist, and that people have a certain sense of understanding of what I'm doing or might have expectations. So would I be able to go and just to do like a two minutes piano vocal (laughs) version of a song? I don't know. We'll, We'll discover that. But for me, it's no longer at the center of my preoccupations. I just don't care anymore. And that's why I kept on telling you that Dave, because I suffered so much in the past for foolish reasons. I was self-inflicting that kind of pain over, over, over again for no reason. And now that I admit that, I can do whatever I want. It's all the fun of discovering. And I'm already in the motion of the next record. But at the same time, I wanted to really live standing on a bright light, 
and, and complete the cycle. I'm writing a book about that period. And so it's completely different. And once I'm free from that, then I can start anew without having like the pressure to please. For me, I always go back to, okay, is it real or not? Is it really what it is? Rather than just trying to format everything from what I thought was free. Because some of the musicians now playing with me, they were all with your favorite enemies. And it's been difficult for them at the beginning because they had to unlearn everything that was coming so naturally for them. Because after 10 years mm -hmm. within a context of a band, it's easy. You know what works, what's not, and you're in that motion. But me, it was completely different. I didn't care if it was working or not. I didn't care if it was hook or not, if the melody was cool or not. I didn't care about it. And I wanted to avoid that kind of spirit. And when you're able to free yourself and you're able to unlearn, it's not because it was wrong, but it just opens up so many different opportunities. And when you just realize that, well, you know, I was fully complete. Now I can start anew. And that's what I'm into now. Rather than just like looking to the format and the clock and, Because you, 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 were, you were speaking about The Hunter. It's a song that I can play for an hour live. You know, whenever the context, <laughs> you know, just leads us there. And so that's the beauty of music. Because I think it's one of the only art form, if not the, the only one, that has the ability to evolve. Rather than just like being something that it's done. It's always evolving. At least the way I see it. So it's very alive. I was going to say a living organism. Yeah, true, true. I know a lot, of, a lot of my friends are in like big bands and they're suffering at some point. And when they're saying like, oh, we're just tired to play the same songs over and over again. Actually, what they mean is they're tired to play the same songs in the same way over and over again because it's the nature of who they maybe believe they are or what people expect or whatever. But me, I just, I don't know. It's not, it's not part of who I am anymore. It reveals more of your creative side by doing it the way you're doing it. I mean, it, it gives you the ability to connect with people in a very unique way every night. Because if you're playing the same songs over and over and over again, like, which was my initial fear, so then you're losing perspective of those songs. If those songs were personal in the first place, But when you're allowing those songs to take different shapes and forms because of you're, you're having like a connection with someone in the crowd, you're, you're seeing someone who's joyful, who's crying, who's jumping. So then you're allowing that moment to shape the music you are there to share with the people. And that's what I discovered after going on tour because from that one-off night. So then I realized that there was something that was alive that needed to bloom and keep blooming And when to the point where I went on tour and I had to play those songs every night. And that was the real road test for me because if you're playing only a couple of shows here and there, you're able to keep that spirit in a way because it, it's always kind of fresh, it's fun, and it's, you've got a certain form of comfort, security within the context of it. But when you're on tour, it's every single night. And then you'll realize quite um, fast if it was only like illusions or if there's something there that wants to live and grow beyond the emotions that gave life to those very same songs. And that's what I discovered. 
and then I realized that it wasn't about Alex Henry Foster no more. It was about the songs bridging me with people. And when you're allowing that little miracle to happen every night, sometimes it's more spectacular than others. Sometimes you just don't understand why people appreciated what happened. <laughs> it is what it is. And that's the beautiful thing. So that's when you're allowing yourself to, to be at the service of that emotion and spirit. So then you're going to see something that it's way impactful than yourself. Because when, when it's self-serving, you know exactly what you'll have at the end of the night. But when you're only at the service of that moment, then it's, it's phenomenal because you realize that there's so much more than I was able to even imagine that could take place and bloom out of that moment. So that's why I'm saying it now it's, it's a celebration of life rather than just like coming and looking at me like whining about losing my father. Not that it was that, but you know what I mean? Yes, I understand. <laughs> well, it sounds like you're going to be giving us something else to celebrate with a new record down the road. I think you and I will need to get together for another talk about that. I would love to. I would love to. So maybe, maybe it's going to be like 16 songs of, and, and the record will be like 28 minutes. <laughs> you're going to do the punk version exactly. <laughs> Alex thanks so much for this talk I really appreciate you taking time for the antidote oh thank you so much thank you also for allowing me to, to share that way and to have more of an ongoing conversation than just like the usual Q&A's I really appreciate that it allows me to feel more comfortable to, to talk and share Gun has been fired Echoes from the mountain can lie The hunter Oh, the hunter has been tracking their praise from early morning The hunters The snow still flickering Through cold, breezing sky And the blood on the ground disappearing underneath The hunter is coming December is falling down Time suddenly seems to not to care I never thought it could be that cold The hunters come The hunters coming for me The hunter The hunter And not if we step away from you Lost in long distance storms My long views blurry by slow streaming cast and tones
Merci beaucoup.